It's time to have lunch and talk sports. The Jeff Dantzler Show on the Superstations. Hello there. Good afternoon, everybody. And welcome to lunchtime in Athens from America's greatest college town, Athens, GA. I'm actually back in the palatial studios today. Uh, that would be my office slash museum here in the condo in Five Points in beautiful Athens, Georgia. And I appreciate you being with us here today. Happy Hump Day. Chris Rogers is always playing nothing but the best from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. And we thank you for listening in wherever you may be. Hello in Central Georgia, to Macon, Montezuma, Warner Robins, Perry, and Fort Valley, down south into Pinehurst, Rochelle, Waycross, Blackshear, Eastman, Cochran, Hawkinsville, Tifton, Ashburn, Cordell, and Unadilla, and all our friends on the coast in Savannah, Tybee Island, Wilmington Island, and in Brunswick, St. Simons, Jekyll Island, Sea Island, the beautiful Golden Isles to the 912, the 478, the 229 from the 706, along with Chris Rogers, our superb producer. My name is Jeff Dantzler. It is an open line Wednesday. I'm going to talk a little history here today. If you'd like to join us, 478-646-3776. That's 478-646-ESPN. Shoot me a tweet at Jeff Dantzler TV. And let us know where you're listening from. Listeners from all across Georgia, Florida, Alabama, the Carolinas, Mississippi, Tennessee, New Orleans, Texas, Arizona, California, Portland, Seattle, Chicago, Pennsylvania, New York City, Boston, Mass., Vermont, Virginia, D.C., Maryland. This show, The Bill Shank Show, all of our interviews, simply go to thesuperstations.com. They're easy to download. And as I always emphasize, being definitively low-tech and a common idiot, when it comes to technology, if I can do it, so can you. And a big hello to our friends from Arrowhead Tool out of Perry, Georgia, located at 629 General Courtney Hodges Boulevard. And when things slow down just a little bit, and uh, for me, just a, a peak Behind the glamorous curtain, really, really busy time crossover season for baseball and basketball. So, for instance, this week I'll have six games in six days, and next week could have as many as eight games in six days, depending on how the schedule goes and how the SEC Women's Hoops Tournament goes. But when things slow down a little bit and it's just baseball, or even in the summer in that little break between baseball for Georgia and football season for the Bulldogs, I vow to make it down to Macon, and I'm going to let Bill and Chris pick a couple of restaurants for us to go do a couple of on-remote shows for lunchtime in Athens. Big hello to my Uncle Joe listening in on 104.3 and my mom down in Statesboro. She knows how to stream it there. Uh, my dad and my stepmom down in Hilton Head, and my dad uh, acing his USGA rules exam with an expert score of 96. Way to go, Dad. And, uh, by the way, just remember, the Georgia women's golf team, they'll be playing in the Darius Rucker Invitational beginning on Monday, as you might have heard. If you listen to Bulldogs Live, as per your assignment, on Monday night, uh, Josh Brewer, the head coach, does an outstanding job, and, and my dad's going to be ref in that one. So maybe the dogs will catch a break in that one. Uh, appreciate you uh, being with us here today. I wanted to talk some Georgia football and some Georgia baseball. And uh, also, last night, Heartbreaking loss for the Georgia men, one-point loss. By the way, how about LSU? Their last three SEC wins have been by one point. That's darn hard to do. They haven't won three straight games, but the last three games that they've won have all been by one point. And 
you know, it, it's it's just tough. Dogs were down by 15. Dogs rallied back. Dogs got the lead. Tough on the road. Call goes LSU's way. They hit the free throws. George doesn't get the call. Again, that's life on the road. I thought the second shot had a crack. I'd like to have seen Justin Hill get the ball to somebody else instead of just take it in against the taller traffic. And I know he had made a couple of clutch shots earlier. Uh, but And I know it's frustrating. And the team made such huge strides last year in Mike White's first season and got off to a great start this year. And there have just been a lot of heartbreaking losses. And if just a couple of goes the other way, you feel like Georgia's in, in the mix for an NCAA tournament berth. Tennessee, both Florida's, certainly the one in Gainesville, the Alabama game here, last night's game, games that could have, should have gone Georgia's way if you just win a couple of those, but the dogs haven't. And I, I will just say, too, just remember how bottomed out Georgia was two years ago, the progression being made here. Just have that patience. This program's heading in the right direction. But, yeah, that was a tough one. So I'm just laying in bed, flipping through, and I want to give credit to the Golf Channel. And a lot of this goes back. You know, a lot of the criticisms about ESPN, one thing they, for the most part, have done a great job on is their documentaries, starting with the Sports Century pieces they did at the turn of the century. But they're, although those movies they did, who, who they did one on the Bear, they did one on the 77 Yankees, and they did one on the General with Brian Dennehy playing Bob Knight. Those were those will go down as camp classics, but their documentaries have been tremendous. And, and with that, the NFL Network, the MLB Network, the Golf Channel have all done tremendous pieces. And I think at the top of the list, the pieces that the Golf Channel did on Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer, named Jack and Arnie, are absolutely lights out. And I've seen them both probably ten times. Uh, the next, the other one they did that was just incredible, I felt like, was the greatest story ever told, the history of St. Andrews. My goodness, that was great. So if you're a golf fan, a golf nut, watch that one. But last night, Jack was on. It's uh, three one-hour pieces, and I probably watched about 2.15 of it before I finally turned in. And, and again, I've gosh, probably seen it. 10 times already it was j- just so great so that always revs up my golf history thinking there and we are of course less than two months away from the masters so i'll talk a little golf history for you here today and i just also started thinking and it, you know it is that time of year it is such a great and busy time for college sports Again, there are 14 different university of georgia teams competing right now most sec schools have 14 different teams competing we had seven Georgia athletic teams in competition this past Saturday. Uh, baseball's 8-0. Softball's ranked in the top five. And uh, just a lot of activity going on. But as far as on the, the national stage, it's a bit of a downtime post-Super Bowl. If you're a NASCAR fan, post-Daytona 500, you know, we, we still got three weeks till March Madness starts for the NCAA tournament. The conference tournaments will start up pretty soon. In fact, the SEC Women's Tournament begins next week. And, of course, the Final Four. And then the Masters and the start of the MLB baseball season. So this is a time of year where where lists are fun. And I was just kind of thinking about the NFL and back in the 80s and some of the great playoff games that we saw. I mean, we, we had some terrific playoff games this year. 
and I've always thought you could make a case that the best postseason NFL game ever, I think my favorite, I mean, just good memories watching it, was 41-38 San Diego over Miami in the AFC playoffs, a divisional round. That was the day after Dan Burrito made us all cry. Uh, on Well, that was 1-1-82. This was on 1-2-82. And then the next week you had the 49ers over the Cowboys, 28-27 Montana to Clark and that changing of the guard. So I'll talk a little NFL history as well here today. And I put a Twitter question out there as well. I'm going to talk about some of the greatest masters today. So here was my Twitter question. Let me get the exact wording out there. And, uh, oh, by the way, yeah, I, need to, I need to hit a couple of tweets. And of course, again, as I said earlier, if you aren't paying, tweet me at Jeff Dantzler TV. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite Masters best single season NFL team that you've seen? So your favorite Masters. Hey, and if you want to give me a reason why, that's fine. It doesn't necessarily have to be what you think the best was. Sometimes it coincides. Say so this was my favorite and it was the best, but it doesn't have to be. And again, that best single season NFL team that you've seen. And my point is, I think you've got some great candidates from 84, 85, and 86. I, I still say for me, I think, and I was at the tail end because I was young, young. I think the Steelers teams from the mid to late 70s were the best by a hair over the Niners of the 80s. By a hair. For a single season team, and you know where I'm leading, especially if my dog talk Bulldog Brunch from the Hilltop Grill Partners listening. But you had three teams right in a row that were absolutely in the mix. So we'll talk a little sports history here today. And I am looking right now at a wonderful painting. Two things I hate, tech and onions. That our retiring legendary tennis coach, Manuel Diaz, love that man. And it was announced yesterday that his assistant, Jamie Hunt, will take over. He will become, beginning next year, Georgia's third men's tennis coach since 1953. That's when the greatest Bulldog ever, Dan McGill, took over. Manny Diaz took over after Coach McGill retired following the spring season of 1988. So it'll be Jamie Hunt. But Suzanne Diaz, who was a great lady and a wonderful artist, did a painting. Hate tech and onions. No offense to anybody in my day. I just I hate onions. They're gross, and thank God my stepmom does too, so if all families together. And it's great too. My mom and stepmom are buddies, which, my goodness, made things convenient for the wedding, and we had a big baby shower. Emily's sister's getting married. But Patty hates onions as bad as I do, so it's nice having an ally there. Oh, my gosh, I remember going to the Western Sizzling one time. My dad had taken me to lunch, must have been in the summer, and I got a burger and fries. Oh, it was liver and onions day. I think I had to go to the bathroom and throw up. And Larry and Gary, I know, sometimes one of our favorite spots down on the rock, they'll do liver and onions, and those guys will go eat it. I can't believe it. All right, we are having fun on a wonderful Wednesday. Any of you Mercer Bears remember that from back in the 1980s? It is a great time of year in terms of college athletics. And tomorrow is a very special day, Leap Day. So make the most of it. Every four years, you get that extra day. 
Somebody made a little funny post. I think I mentioned this yesterday, and it said, hey, guys, there are three days a year when your wife will tell you you're right on everything, February 29th, 30th, and 31st. Well, at least once every four years, that would be correct for a day. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Wednesday. Uh, the weather's going to do one of those funny things today. And by the way, for Georgia baseball, this is our first night game. The latest we've started a game is 3 o'clock. Michigan State is in town. They're barnstorming, as a lot of northern teams do. Uh, they're staying in Greenville, playing a bunch of games in Greenville. But the weather today, just to give you an idea, and I went for a long exercise walk today, the high's going to get up to 76, but it's very windy. So I'm looking here at the hourly. 74 degrees at 4 o'clock. I'll get to the field a little bit before then. Then at 5 o'clock, it's supposed to rain and be 66 degrees. Then by 6, 59, it's really dropping. And the high tomorrow, 57. On Friday, uh, looking at weather as Georgia will play over at Tech. High 47, low 41. Thank goodness we beat them in football because I'm telling you, when you lose to the enemy, then going over there for the other sports afterwards, it is just the worst. Mm. Then it's supposed to be nice again Saturday and Sunday. So maybe, you know, we've dodged. No snow again this year. Remember how cold it was not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before. Holy smokes. It's been a mild winter. I still think, though, the first two baseball weekends were so nice that we are just we're going to get snow on, like, March 18th. I'm convinced of it there. Uh, phone numbers, if you'd like to join us today, 478-646-3776. That's 478-646-ESPN. We will get to your tweets. We'll get to your calls when we continue on. It is a History Lesson Wednesday on the Superstations. Remember that video? It was a cartoon. It was awesome. Kind of groundbreaking there. Okay. Let's hit these tweets. Oh, I got some good ones coming in here. Eddie from Ackworth saw Larry Mize chip in in 87. Tech guy. Only time I've ever been to the Masters. That was a heck of a Masters. Wrong guy won. Think about it, that was a playoff with Mize, Greg Norman, and Seve Ballesteros. It's the second playoff hole, and Seve was out after the first, and then Mize chips that in, and Greg Norman, his previous major, the 86 PGA, when Bob Tway holed out from the bunker, back-to-back chip-ins to beat him. Wow. Thank you, EFA. Appreciate you. We'll talk some. Falcons draft here. I like getting Eddie fired up. He's got great stuff. Thank you, UGA alum 95. 75 Steelers. That was the Steelers team that won 21-17 over the Cowboys in the Super Bowl, their second straight. And they won it back-to-back 74, 75, 78, 79. Lombardi's Packers of the 60s. They won the Ice Bowl. So that was leading into Super Bowl II, which was then called well, the first one, at least, was the AFL-NFL championship game. Uh, Ken from Cumming 
86, Jack Nicholas. that's the best. It is amazing, too, the parallels with 86 and 19. Back to Ken from coming. Two Masters, but 86, Nicholas, the comeback. 87, Larry Mize. Hey, and he was there all four days. Good for you in 87. Andy Stowe streaming in. Going to be following the dogs tonight over at Foley Field. Thank you, Andy. And Bill Shanks, Chris, turn on your microphone here. The world might have stopped spinning. Bill Shanks' final hour is going to be preempted for Georgia baseball tonight on the Superstations. Yep. I consider that uh, a great accomplishment for me, David Johnston, and the Georgia baseball program. We were able to pull it off. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you can listen to the dogs and Sparty tonight, 6 o'clock. 6.02 for our marker seven first pitch. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, appreciate the tweets going in. Thanks to my buddy Jay Deal tweeting in from Capital City. Hard to beat Jack at 86. Second place, 05 with Tiger. The chip in on 16. That was a really good top 10. Jay with a good call here. The 07 Patriots, they went 18-1. and one. Just picked a bad game for the one. Indeed. That's why I still say for a singular play, the Eli Manning to David Tyree, number one, how does he avoid that sack? I mean, if he's sacked, it's like fourth and 20. He avoids the sack, and Eli was not known to be fleet of foot. Then Tyree makes the catch with a ball up against his helmet. Just nobody's going undefeated. That's just the way it is. If there was a team that was going to do it, it was them, the 72 Dolphins. I think they're going to be able to rest easy for the rest of NFL history. I mean, especially now they're playing 17 games. That's <laughs> just – for somebody to go 17-0, and 0, then they'd obviously get the bye, have to win two playoff games in the Super Bowl to go 20-0. and 0. Now, keep in mind, the 72 Dolphins went 17-0. and 0. That was 14-game regular season. Both their playoff games in the Super Bowl were close, and the pressure mounted. There are several Dolphins, and, of course, two Georgia greats, Bill Stanfield and Jake Scott, Rest in peace. Both phenomenal Bulldogs and phenomenal Dolphins. Their feeling was even that the, the Dolphins team the next year might have even been better. And they went on to beat the Vikings in the Super Bowl. I think they lost twice in 73. But they felt like, again, this is the pros. It's not college where for many, many years in college, you know, until the playoff expansion, conference title games, yada, yada, you really most years had to go undefeated to win it all. The pros sometimes lose a game or two, not – not the worst thing in the world. So I, I was saying about this for singular NFL teams, ju just one-off teams. I think the 85 Bears were at the top, but there was a three-year run there. The 84 San Francisco 49ers went 18-1. and one. Then in the draft the following spring, they got Jerry Rice. That's a pretty good few months. It was the 14th pick in the draft. That team lost only once to Pittsburgh, who fell to Miami in the AFC Championship game. So that might be the best of those Niner teams and maybe the least famous of their Super Bowl championship teams. Because, of course, in 81, that was Montana to Clark in the NFC Championship in their first title. In 88 and 89, when they won it back-to-back, -back, that was Montana and Rice in full force. And the 94, you had Steve Young had arguably the best 
combination regular season, postseason, Super Bowl of any quarterback ever. But that 84 team the year before Rice, they were amazing. And an interesting little twist there again, their only loss was to Pittsburgh, the lost AFC championship game. Then the next year, the 85 Bears. And that would probably get my vote as, as the best just one-off team. Their only loss was to the Dolphins, who lost the AFC championship game to New England. The Patriots that year won three road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. And, of course, the Bears beat them 46-10. And then I'm telling you that next year, they went 14-2, and the 86 Giants – LT was MVP, Carl Banks. Now, Phil Sims was 22 out of 25 in the Super Bowl. They beat the Broncos 39-20. That was a great football team, a great football team. The NFC was just so good back then. And, and figured in all around that, you had Washington. I don't think any of those Washington teams were as good as any of those three teams. But what Joe Gibbs did, they won it in 82 with Joe Theismann and John Riggins. And the Raiders blew them out the next year. They won it in 87 with Doug Williams and, and Timmy Smith, who nobody had ever heard of. They had the 35-point second quarter against the Broncos. And then they won it in 91 with Mark Rippon and Ernest Biner. So the fact that Gibbs did it with three different quarterbacks – and three different lead running backs is pretty phenomenal. And not that the other guys, it takes anything away from them, but it's, it's been combos. It was Lombardi and Starr. It was Bradshaw and Knoll. Greasy and Shula. Staubach and Landry. Then on into, of course, Walsh and Montana. Elway and Shanahan. Belichick and Brady, and now you're talking about Reed and Mahomes. But what Gibbs did to win it with three different quarterbacks. My my buddy Chris Brain, one of my old co-hosts, made a good point about Peyton Manning too. So Manning won his two Super Bowls with Tony Dungy, who was an outstanding coach, and Gary Kubiak, who was an outstanding coach. He also went to Super Bowls with Jim Caldwell and John Fox as head coaches. Just keep that one in mind. But Gibbs winning the three Super Bowls with three different combos of quarterback, running back, pretty amazing. But I don't think any of those teams was as good as that three-year run, 84 Niners, 85 Bears, 86 Giants. That was one heck of a run there. Shoot me a tweet at Jeff Dantzler TV, and again, you can give us a call, 478 478- Six four six, thirty seven, seventy six. All right, let's talk some masters here. As we, uh, I mean, when the commercials start right around Christmas, the hair stands up. Going on Sunday this year. It's my first time ever going on Sunday, but Georgia baseball that year's Thursday through Saturday. So one of the things I always do when the schedules come out. I see where the Lady Dog's going to be on Super Bowl Sunday. Thank you. We were at home, and I see where baseball's going to be Masters weekend. And there have been a couple of weekends where I might have seen a little action on Thursday, and that's about it. It's tough. So George will be at home playing Missouri Masters weekend. So we play Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I won't see a lot, but we'll be there on Sunday. Honestly, Sunday, I know you'd rather watch it on TV, but 
I think it's a golden opportunity. We'll just have to do it a little bit different. It's my favorite sporting event in the world. So I can't wait to go. The similarities between Nicholas in 86 and Tiger in 19 are absolutely stunning. I'm going to pull up the leaderboards for you. So Jack, the greatest player ever. Tiger, the second greatest player ever. By the way, there's really no arguing those two points. Nicholas, the winner. And, of course, he birdies number nine, then birdies 10 and 11, just has the the, the, the staggering 30 on the back nine. Excuse me, the second nine. And the class of leaderboard behind him. So Tom Kite, this is good trivia. Tom Kite and Greg Norman finished tied for second. Norman bogeyed 18. He would have won with a birdie, forced a playoff with a par, but he was right in the middle of the fairway, and he towed it right into the stands. Kite finished second to Nicholas in 86, and in a tie for second as well to Tiger in 97 for Tiger's first Masters. That's pretty cool. So Kite and Norman finished tied for second. Kite won the 92 U.S. Open. Norman won two British Opens and, of course, lost all four majors in a playoff. Seve finished two strokes back. He got wet on number 15. Seve, a five-time major champion, two-time Masters champion. Nick Price was fifth, great player, won two PGAs and a British. The great Tom Watson finished tied for sixth with Jay Haas, who was a terrific player and had a great career at Augusta. Tommy Nakajima, excellent player from Japan. Payne Stewart, three-time major champion. Bob Tway, who won the PGA later that year in a tie for eighth. That is a classy, classy leaderboard. Now, you look at the 2019 Masters. And my goodness, little golden bell. Tiger staying dry on number 12. It was amazing in the history of repeating itself. Plus, remember, it went off early. They got ahead of the weather. So baseball, we had a Thursday through Saturday that weekend, which, by the way, Georgia and South Carolina should always have Masters weekend. And let's just say the bloodies were flowing at about 9.30 that morning. It was the highest rated golf tournament of the year. Second highest was the replay of it. Tiger wins it at 13 under. How about this tie for a second? Dustin Johnson, a Masters and U.S. Open champion who's been mighty close to others. Brooks Kepka, five-time major champion, two-time Masters runner-up. Xander Shoffley is a good player. Jason Day, a PGA champ. Webb Simpson, a U.S. Open champ. Francisco Molinari, British Open champion. Tony Finau, very good player, tie for fifth. Then how about John Rahm in ninth, who's, of course, won the Masters in the U.S. Patrick Cantlay, a good player, and Ricky Fowler. Bubba, by the way, was tied for 12th with Justin Thomas, two-time Master Champion, two-time PGA Champion. I think that's what made it so astounding. Uh, Jack was obviously 46 when he won it. Tiger was 43. But the class of the leaderboard around them, very similar. The great players from the 80s and the great players of the teens and now into the 20s. Striking similarities. It was absolutely amazing. Both of them were. Both of them. And I remember 86 well. I was watching with my dad at his apartment, just not believing what we were seeing. 
46 years old. And by the way, and the Golden Bears, the greatest ever, 46 looked a little older then than 46 now. I know there's a lot that goes into that. By the way, for, for Nicholas, and I, I just love, uh, for me, Nicholas, Palmer, and Watson, just love all three of those guys, three heroes, just the ultimate champions and the ultimate gentlemen. In fact, I've got autographs from all three in my office here. Uh, but Watson was my favorite of all those, but, again, loved them all. But the way those guys competed, and, and another little neat thing here, and this kind of has to do with birthdays and their years, so you're going to have to pay attention. So I'm about to throw some math on you here. So, like, Jack's birthday's in January, Watts is in September. But during the span when the majors are being played, which used to be April to August, is now April through late July, Palmer, 10 years older than Nicholas, who's 10 years older than Watson, and their ages correspond with the final digit of the year, exactly 10 years apart. You're saying, what in the world is he talking about? No bloodies today, I promise. So, for instance, in 1977 for the duel in the sun, Jack Nicholas was 37, Tom Watson was 27, Arnold Palmer fishing the top 10 was 47. So it's always easy to remember. So in 82, Palmer was 52, Nicholas was 42, Watson was 32. All right. So there's some some pretty good math for you there. So I think the 86 and 19 would be at the top of the list. Certainly 1975, just as far as thrills go. Watson was making his way then, but it was Miller and Weisskopf making the charge. Nicholas made two of the most famous putts of all time, especially the one on 16. And Weisskopf is just standing up there on the tee box going, oh, my gosh, he just did it to me again. And by the way, for thrills, and and I know Tigers chip in in 85 how incredible that was, but Nicholas nearly acing 16 in 86 is still, I think, the greatest golf moment ever. And just that great story. Be right, it is. And I'm going to throw you one more out there. And I'll still say this is the best top 10 leaderboard. If somebody can find one better, that's fine. I'll debate you. My man Watson won his second Masters in 81. Tom Watson finishes at eight under par. How about the rest of this leaderboard? Johnny Miller and Jack Nicklaus, minus six, two back. Miller, a U.S. Open and a British Open champion. Nicklaus won 18 professional majors. Watson won eight and six seconds. Nicholas had 19 seconds. Isn't that unbelievable? Greg Norman in fourth. Norman three back. Won two majors. Tied for fifth, Tom Kite and Jerry Pate, both U.S. Open champions, and Pate came mighty close the next year when the Walrus, Craig Stadler, beat Dan Pohl in a playoff. In seventh, David Graham, who won the 79 PGA in a playoff over Ben Crenshaw, the 81 U.S. Open at Marion. And in a tie for eighth, two-time master champion Ben Crenshaw, Raymond Floyd, a master champion, four-time major winner, and John Mahaffey, who won the 78 PGA, unfortunately, my man Watson came in second there. 
So all 10 players in the 1981 Masters finished in all 10 in the top 10. All won at least one major championship and combined for 41 major championships. Hear that? All 10 there, Watson, Miller, Nicholas, Norman, Kite, Pate, Graham, Crenshaw, Floyd, Mahaffey, won a total of 41 majors and all won at least one major. That is a stacked-up leaderboard. Shoot me a tweet. Let me know where you're listening from, at Jeff Dantzler TV. Love taking the walk down memory lane. Mm-hmm. And I, I love going through, just again, the, the records from those legends. Uh, let's see. Here we go. RDU dog. Another good list idea. Top five golfers of all time. He goes Nicholas Jones, Tiger, Hogan, Watson. He says Jones because he retired at 28. Balance, he's a tech man, and he built Augusta National. <laughs> One out of two. Thank you, RDU. And that's where you can make the argument with Jones, a consummate amateur. And, and, and you have to understand, too, you really have to go to 1960 when you start comparing apples to apples. When Arnold Palmer won the Masters in the U.S. Open, the great American players were not going to the British Open then. It was not cost-effective. Sneed went once and won it. Hogan went once and won it. And they didn't go back. Now, obviously, Jones won it three times. Hagen won it four times, the great Walter Hagen. But really, after World War II, the best Americans weren't going. Again, they, they went once. And for Hogan, when he won the Masters U.S. and the British in 53, the British go at the same time as a PGA. But when Palmer went in 1960, that changed things. And, of course, he lost by one stroke to Kel Nagel, a name we'll never forget. And, and that's really what got it in order going. And that, that started, I think, when you could compare apples to apples. Because who, with Hogan and Sneed, you don't know this, but if they played the British every year, odds are they would have won another one or two. And also back then before 57, the PGA was match play. And Hogan, after his car wreck, didn't, didn't play it often. So apples to apples really starts with Palmer in 60. But, yeah, with, with, with Jones, and, and remember, his grand slam, which was called the impregnable quadrilateral, which is pretty cool, back in 1930, was U.S. and British Open, the U.S. Am, and the British Am. And when Nicholas, this is everything kind of changed with Tiger and how people looked at the grand slams. And I just go watch that Jack special. And, and it's interesting because it coincided in that Hagen won 11 professional majors. Okay, so Hagen won five PGAs, two U.S. Opens, and four Britishes. Jones won 13 majors, seven professional majors, even though he was an AM, the four U.S. Opens, the three British Opens, and he won five U.S. Amateurs. I'm trying to do my math right here. And the one British AM. When Nicholas won his 12th professional major, the 1973 PGA Championship at Canterbury. That was his 14th overall majors because the the two U.S. amateurs were kind of, those are majors, so you have to differentiate majors and professional majors. And the wording of the time, then you look at Dan Jenkins' writings, you listen to Jim McKay talking, that was 14 majors to beat Jones' 13 majors. 
that was considered the record, not 12 over 11. He got it both ways in that very same major championship. But it was when Tiger came along that they kind of started recounting things, which is always an, an interesting historical twist. So Walter Hagen was a pro. He didn't play in the USAM and, and the British AM once he was a pro. For Jones, he was an amateur. He didn't play in the PGA. So I think, again, doing apples to apples, it starts in 60 on one front. The other front has to start in the Masters era. So when the, the, the Masters begin, when you can really start comparing apples to apples. So I RDU dog, I can understand how you would put Jones there. And I think that's a pretty darn good list you put together there. Nicholas, Jones, Tiger, Hogan, Watson. Uh, thank you very much, Clark Spratlin, who is a golf pro. 76 and sunny on St. Simons. Now, you know I'm a squirrel, and this is the time of year I'm putting away all of my all of my acorns. And hopefully we won't be down until late June because hopefully the dogs make a run to Omaha in the College World Series. Probably get down for a couple of days around Memorial Day unless George is in the finals of the SEC tournament, which if we're already – if we're already in a regional, especially if we're hosted, kind of getting out of Birmingham quick. I'm all for that. But we'll be down at St. Simons as much as we can all summer long. So, Clark, I'll come see you for sure. 76 and sunny. I'm telling you, that just kind of sneaky, though, because it's not as famous a finish. But that, that 81 Masters leaderboard is absolutely astounding. And I appreciate all the feedback of everybody. I can talk Masters all day, every day. And another great thing about the Masters, too, I, I go through and, you know, good gosh, my goal is to get at least four egg salad sandwiches. And for me, I hate onions again. And, I, and, and Dan Jenkins always wrote that Clifford Roberts said they made the sandwiches like he liked them. You know who makes sandwiches like I like them? My mom. And no onion, I always said no crunchy stuff in it, no celery, nothing. It was just eggs and mayo and a little bit of mustard. Right? The egg salad sandwiches at, at Augusta National are phenomenal. And those crow's nest beers, which are basically like a, a blue moon. I mean, you go get two egg salads and a crow's nest, it's like eight bucks, which is awesome. Now you're going to spend in the pro shop, but that's okay. I always get a couple of gift hats. I get myself a visor, a hat a pullover and a golf shirt every year. My dad got hooked out of a hat because I sent him a package that had a program from the Masters and a hat, and all that arrived was the label. So there's a mailman in Conneaut Lake, Pennsylvania, walking around with a Masters 22 hat on. Congratulations, Scotty Scheffler, on that victory. All right, let's run into a timeout. We will keep on keeping on and appreciate our listeners from all across the great state of Georgia as we enjoy a mighty fine Wednesday afternoon here in America's greatest college town, Athens, GA. It's lunchtime in Athens on the Superstations. The vintage stones aired. Good stuff, Chris. Jumping Jack Flash. 
All right, Chris, good stuff. The great Bill Shanks, he'll be at Coach's Corner this afternoon. We love Coach's Corner. And, in fact, the great Kevin Butler, uh, they had a big soiree over at Coach's the other day celebrating the life of his father, JoJo, who passed away last fall. Uh, Kevin was born in Savannah, and his parents, Joseph and Sharon from Savannah, so we always like it when we can get down to the Coastal Empire. And we had a great Bulldog Club gathering. Thank you, Warren Loki and John DeLoach, the grind dog, Ken Griner. I'm sure he'll be on with Bill at some point this afternoon. Uh, we love Coach's Corner, and they do a terrific job. And I don't think they have livered onions because I hate onions and tech. And uh, Bill at Coach's Corner, that's an extravaganza. So if you're listening in on 104.3 out of Savannah, stop by. And if you look hard enough at Coach's Corner, not only do they have great burgers and chicken fingers and fries, you can find a cold drink there as well. Uh, all right, I got my golf pros hit me up down on St. Simons. Uh, yes, indeed. Thank you to Clark. And Brandon Yeoman says, confirming Spratlin's comments. Chamber of Commerce Day on SSI. Thank you very much. And I tweeted out the picture of the picture from the great Suzanne Diaz, Coach Manny Diaz's wife, that fantastic painting just with a big slash through the onions and that tech football helmet. Thank you to Marsh Mutt for dialing us in today as well. Love talking some Masters history and some NFL. we got Georgia baseball coming up. It's 6 o'clock, so Bill, his final hour will actually be preempted. I can't believe it because nobody preempts Bill Shanks, and I mean nobody. So we got the dogs and the Michigan State Spartans, and this is a busy stretch for Georgia baseball. Uh, yesterday began a period of 11 games in 13 days, and we got a, a three-gamer with Tech this weekend. Friday in Atlanta. High 47, low 41, and I hate playing the Friday game over there. Ugh, traffic. Then we'll be here at Foley Field on Saturday. DJ will be solo on Sunday as I'll be driving up to Music City, USA to call the Lady Dogs. And I'm trying to get a one-way one rental, then fly on back with the team. And then next week, games Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Friday, a doubleheader Saturday and a game on Sunday against Northern Colorado. And Coach Johnson has said he's going to beef up the schedule here in the coming years to have at least another big early season series. We got a good battle from Presbyterian yesterday. They've got a good team. These mid-major teams from the south, you know, they're going to have good players. They might just not be quite as tall, might not have fit the parameters. Doesn't mean they're not good ball players. Struggle with the runners in scoring position, but one, four to three. And if you get a chance, get on Twitter. I'll see if I can, if I have reposted or not. Charlie Condon hit another home run yesterday that looks like it landed at the Stegman Coliseum. It was his fourth of Charlie's many accomplishments thus far this season, eight games deep. He doesn't just have an eight-game hitting streak. He's got an eight-game multi-hit hit streak. That's right. He's had at least two hits in all eight games, and he's leading the SEC in batting and on-base percentage and slugging percentage. And he's going to 
lead the league in walks. I'm pretty sure of that. But yeah, the dogs are 8 0. And it's a lot of fun right now. It's crazy, too. We won our first five games by at least nine runs. Had three run rule games, plus another game where they weren't playing with a run rule and won 15 nothing. But the last three have been one-run wins. And this says a lot about Charlie as well. So yesterday, two outs, nobody on, bottom of the eight, 3-3. Three, three. Fernando Gonzalez gets a hit, back-to-back walks to load him up, and here comes Charlie. 3-0 count, takes a strike, ball four. You don't have to worry about him, DJ said it, trying to force it. He is just that guy. And sometimes you get in games, and I think this is why in extra innings, and and I I love the rule putting the runner at second in extra innings. College doesn't do that. I wish we did. It moves it along, and I think it brings great strategy to the point. But you start getting to that 12th, 13th, 14th inning, playing without that rule, Everybody's tired, and you get that hero complex. Everybody trying to hit it out of the yard. And a lot of times somebody does. But staying in that approach, because everybody's tired and everybody wants to get home, staying in that approach is so important, and that's what Condon has. And most great hitters would tell you in their careers when they started taking the walks and not forcing it, they went next level. And just go look at your major league history books. Look at the stats. The guys who drew the most walks – Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Henry Aaron, Barry Bonds, guys who's Ricky Henderson. I think Henderson still has – at one point he had the walks, the runs, and I know he's still got the stolen base record, which is pretty cool. Ricky Henderson, not a bad one on Immaculate Grid as well. I got six today. Nailed it yesterday. I was very proud of that. I've enjoyed all the Masters talk today. So tomorrow is Leap Day. What are you going to do with that extra day that you get once every four years? Tomorrow is leap day. So February 29th, you know what I'm going to be doing? Calling the Lady Dogs in LSU, 9 o'clock tomorrow night. So Georgia and LSU's men play last night, 7 o'clock East, 6 Central in Baton Rouge. The women play tomorrow night, 9 o'clock East, 8 Central in Athens. Seems a little reversed, doesn't it? I have very much enjoyed the show today. Bill told me I could talk about whatever I wanted to talk about and talking some NFL history and, of course, talking the Masters and the Georgia Bulldogs, as always, at the top of my list. Be sure to join Bill from Coach's Corner today from 3 until 6, and I hope Kenny G is able to pop in with him for a little bit to say hello. And Georgia baseball, dogs trying to make it a perfect 9-0, taking on Michigan State Watch out for Andre Risen. So listen to me and DJ at 6. Listen to Bill at 3. And uh, I'm back with you tomorrow, noon until 1. Have a great rest of your Wednesday every day, everybody. Love you. Enjoy Leap Day tomorrow.